Hello, and welcome to another mini-episode of Coaster Kings Radio. I'm Ian O'Donnell. Last week, we looked at the construction and eventual transformation of California's tallest wooden coaster, Colossus. Today's Lost Coaster resided at the same park, and this story is a really interesting one. It includes a natural disaster, young Swiss ride manufacturers, and the unfortunate death of a prominent coaster designer. As discussed last week, the 1972 construction of Kings Island's Racer and its success proved the marketability of large-scale thrill coasters to regional amusement parks. In 1976, Houston's Six Flags Astroworld unveiled their large-scale wooden thrill coaster, Texas Cyclone. Initially, the park sought to relocate the famous Coney Island Cyclone from New York to Texas. This proved financially impractical, and Six Flags turned to former Philadelphia Toboggan Company designer William Cobb, who ended up designing a taller and faster mirrored version of the Cyclone. Texas Cyclone became a big hit and proved to be the first of many coasters which borrowed the Cyclone's famous layout. Six Flags would return to the concept in 1990, hiring Curtis D. Summers and Charles Dinn, who had both been on the Kings Island team that had worked on The Beast in the late 70s, and now had worked for the Dinn Corporation, to build a Cyclone clone at Six Flags over Georgia. Following Georgia Cyclone's debut, Six Flags would ask Dinn to build another Cyclone model at Magic Mountain for the 1991 season. In 1977, Magic Mountain had unveiled a permanent crafts village called Spillican Corners. This corner of the park consisted of 19th century Wild West buildings, which showcased different types of handicraft. It also provided a destination for the park's Grand Centennial Excursion Train, which previously had passed by a herd of buffalo. That's right, real buffalo Magic Mountain. This area proved successful, but it was difficult to leave this prime real estate void of any thrill rides. In 1984, Six Flags unveiled the Sarajevo bobsleds, an Intamin bobsled coaster. But this was relocated in 1985 as part of Six Flags' now-defunct ride rotation program. In 1986, they unveiled Shockwave, a groundbreaking Intamin stand-up roller coaster. Shockwave was built to be part of Six Flags' ride rotation program as well, and only spent two years at Magic Mountain before being relocated to Great Adventure. This left an empty plot of land at the back of the park. And in 1991, the rustic wooden structures of Spillican Corners were given a loose nautical theme, and the area was rechristened Cyclone Bay, in honor of its new star attraction, Cyclone. And I should clarify that Cyclone is spelled P-S-Y-C-L-O-N-E, as in a little bit of Psycho and a little bit Cyclone. Marketed as the ultimate mind-bender, Cyclone was supposed to be a twisted counterpart to the more traditional and kind of larger Colossus. Its compact Coney Island Cyclone layout certainly was different than the kind of sprawling layout of Colossus. And with that proven layout, Cyclone was set to be one of the best wooden coasters in California. And while early reviews were okay, it was plagued with problems from the start. Both Cyclone and its Georgia brother had to be reprofiled significantly after their opening years, as riders complained of excessive discomfort. It didn't help that Cyclone featured trains by Swiss company Bollinger and Mabillard, which had just split from Intamin a year prior, so they really were taking what jobs they could. The B&M trains were much heavier than the typical wooden coaster trains, and took their toll on the ride's track and the ride's structure. 
Citing their problems with both of the DIN-designed Cyclone clones, Six Flags sued and won a $1.78 million civil judgment against Curtis Summers and received $125,000 settlement with the now-bankrupt DIN Corporation. On May 11, 1992, in the midst of this legal battle, Curtis Summers died of a heart attack at only 62 years old. Summers, who had helped design over 20 roller coasters, including assisting the famous John Allen in the design for the King's Island's Racer, and eventually, like we said earlier, working on the Beast, was truly an icon of the wooden roller coaster world, and his death marked the end of another era of wooden coaster designs. When Six Flags would return to the, to the Cyclone concept one more time for Six Flags Great America in Viper, they would do most of the work in-house. The death of this designer did not, spell the end of, did not spell the end of the woes of Cyclone. In 1994, the Northridge earthquake shook most of California, and this earthquake caused structural damage on Cyclone, requiring significant modifications to be made to the structure and the way the ride operated. Never an especially fast attraction, the ride was slowed down even more by braking and reprofiling, very similarly to Colossus, like we talked about last week. Eventually, operators were required to have at least 17 passengers in each train to ensure the ride was able to complete the course. The ride unfortunately began being accused of the two deadly sins of the roller coaster world. Cyclone was rough, and it was boring. Its reputation continued to decline, and like Colossus, even the 2001 edition of a flashy new coaster nearby, um, which will be a subject of a future Lost Coasters of California deja vu, couldn't help its dwindling ridership. Cyclone's removal was announced in January of 2007, and its demolition began very soon after. In 2009, Magic Mountain would receive another next-generation wooden coaster, this time by Great Coasters International. Theme to the eponymous movie franchise, Terminator Salvation the Ride opened to much better reviews than the Dinwoody that had previously occupied its spot. The Cyclone Bay named curiously kind of remained, losing Deja Vu in 2011, but retaining structures that dated back to Spillican Corners. The area continued to be neglected, until 2019 when Six Flags announced its transformation to the street racing themed Underground, removing the final reference to Cyclone more than 10 years after its removal. After significant construction delays, West Coast Racers opened alongside the Underground in January of 2020. This premier ride's multi-launch racing coaster breathed new life into this back corner of Magic Mountain. Cyclone's DIN siblings did not fare much better. Of the 10 coasters that were constructed by the DIN Corporation during its lifetime, only four remain operational. Three of the remaining, three of the six, have been converted into hybrid coasters by Rocky Mountain Construction, and the other three, including Cyclone, have been relegated to history. I think a lot of people make fun of the DIN Corporation, but it's worth noting that without DIN, many of what we call some of the best coasts in the world that RMC have built wouldn't exist, including Seal Vengeance and Cedar Point. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this mini episode, please leave a comment or rating wherever you're listening. That really helps us out. This series is a companion to a series of articles that I'm writing and are being released on thecoasterkings.com. These articles have old advertisement pictures, and I really think they're a great companion to these podcast episodes. 
You can find interesting articles, exclusive updates, and a range of theme park-related merchandise at thecoasterkings.com. For Coaster Kings Radio, this is Ian O'Donnell. Join me next week as we'll be looking at another infamously uncomfortable ride. This ride began at its, its life at California Great America's sister park in Illinois, Six Flags Great America. Next week, we're going to be looking at the first and the only Intamin Space Diver flashback. <laughs>